What's up, y'all? This is Dumbfounded, host of the Fun With Dumb podcast, and I'm here to announce the launch of our Patreon. It's been five years since we've been doing the podcast, and we've never done a Patreon. And if you've been looking for a way to support the Fun With Dumb community, this is it. We're going to give you direct access to the Fun With Dumb Discord, where I'm going to talk to the community and see what kind of content you guys want to see moving forward. We're also going to have behind-the-scenes footage with our guests that's never before seen, monthly bonus content. Content. We're creating new segments like Wisdom, where I'm actually taking calls from you guys, talking to you guys, giving you advice, all of that good stuff, as well as exclusive access to Fun With Dumb merch and live events. If you guys don't know, I throw tons of live events in Los Angeles and planning to tour this show on the road all around the world. So stay tuned for all of that. And please support by joining our Patreon right now. There's a $5 tier and a $10 tier. I really want to build this community out, so any support will be appreciated. Thank you to all the Fun With Dumb listeners over the years. All the information is in the description below. What's good, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Fun With Dumb. Today, we have a very special guest, one of my youngs, big bros, uh, been in the industry and the entertainment world for so long and in one of the most successful franchises of all time, which is Fast and Furious. Today, we have Sung Kang in the building. How you doing, sir? Good, Dom. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Great <laughs> intro. Thank I, you. <laughs> I have to give the grand intro. Um, I appreciate you coming to K-Town to visit me from the depths of California. You're in the cuts, I feel. No, thanks. Thanks for having me. It was, it's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, yeah. man. I, I really appreciate you. Um, we've, we've hung out a few times. Like I think like a year or two ago, I met you up um, for about a project you wanted to speak to me about. For you to star in. Yeah, when I was directing. You wanted well, to direct. Thinking about directing, yeah. Right, yeah. you're thinking about directing. You wanted me to like star in it as a lead, which was exciting. I didn't expect a call from you at all. Went to go meet you, and it was like that was the first time we've actually sat down and had like a really long conversation. But I saw you. I pull up to this like restaurant. You're like sitting, leaning back, eating like tortilla chips. And I was like, this really feels like Han from Fast and the Furious. I'm meeting him up. That was really cool. And then you talking about like directing films. Was that around the time you were first kind of thinking about directing? How did you get to that place about? I just felt so frustrated, you know, as an actor. Like, you know, the opportunities that I felt like I was, I had at the time was not something that, you know, I came to Hollywood for, right? And I was like, is, is, did I hit a ceiling? And maybe is it not my time? Or maybe, you know, just where's my place within the food chain of Hollywood? And I was like, well, instead of complaining about it, be proactive and maybe it's time to not, you know, worry about yourself and maybe create opportunities mm. and create projects for other actors. Because um, I'd love to, you know, if if you know, I'd love to, you know, expand my resume as an actor, but, you know, do I just wait for the phone call that never happens, right? So mm. I felt like, okay, let me see if I can be as passionate about directing as acting. And that's when I was like, let me give it a shot. Let me... Also, maybe possibly start with a movie that I didn't write, right? That I didn't pour my soul into mm. and see if I could be passionate about the art of directing. Um, and Or is it just the fad? Is it just me going, well, because these other opportunities aren't coming as an actor, maybe I just need to kill time, right? Mm. So, and because there's, 
you know, it's it's show business. There's a lot of money, even if it's a small independent movie. There's resources that are you know invested into these things. So, you know, do I want to you know waste people's like money as well? Yeah, right? and people's time, right? So, you know, I, I it was that really that that start of like, okay, if it's not my time as an actor, how can I still be part of like the Hollywood game? And yeah. is it behind the camera? And is it giving other Asian Americans, especially men, opportunities that for three-dimensional roles that I so yearn to have, right? Yeah, yeah. And so that's when we, you know, we met. Um, there was a a producer I worked with in the past, and um, and a couple of writers that I knew, and they had this project that was, you know, kind of in the oven. It was it wasn't financed or anything, and yeah, but it know, tackled topics of like invisibility as a people um and you know asian male masculinity and that that kind of territory which was interesting i feel yeah, yeah 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 but i, I was just kind of taking a step back when you're talking about certain roles and opportunities that you you want you yearn for that maybe haven't come your way like what kind of stuff are we talking about like what kind of stuff would you have wanted to do maybe that you didn't see many opportunities coming your way well i mean a perfect example is like what you know beef was did mm. right you know the range of um you know emotions and you know and scenarios and situations like that is that show is like super inspiring for me, even at like my age, you know, it's like, wow, look at these opportunities, these, you know, men and women are having on screen. Right. Yeah. Um, and they're not just, they're not there for an Asian reason. You know what yeah. I mean? It's yeah. not like, oh, we're playing a Korean storyline. So they have to be Korean or Korean American. You know what yeah. I mean? So it's just like, they could literally be any nationality right, or ethnicity, any sex. And I was like, that is it. You know, those are the kind of roles that I yearn for, right? Mm. So, um, and I'm so happy that they're finally being recognized and these opportunities are here for actresses like Ali and, you know, Steve. And, yeah. You know, and, I mean, um, interestingly with Beef, it's about road rage and Han, no pun intended, yeah, right. the internalized rage yeah. that you might hold on. Which is interesting with that choice, I guess, with the name Han too. Mm. Um because you seem like such a chill person it, that, that I I don't necessarily sense an internalized rage. Are are you an angry person in any way? Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, like I'm Korean, so it's like you know, exploring even the the definition of what Han means to Koreans, fellow Koreans. Yeah. You know, I I I think I have a good grasp of it because I was in Korea this past year and I spent some time there and um and I went there with this this exploration of why are Koreans unique compared to other Asians, Chinese, Taiwanese, Korean, I mean, uh, Japanese, right? Um, Thai, Indonesians, right? It's like, like, why are they so unique, right? And it felt like there was a couple of things, right? And the first and most prominent thing was this notion of Han, this idea of Han, which is very hard to translate, right? right? And it is this like, you know, like this sense of sorrow, this anger or this this frustration. But on the flip side, the positive of it is, is that's what fuels us to mm. excel, to go, all right, you can put me down. You can, 
you know, you can belittle me, you can take over the country, but we'll show you. Yeah. Right? I'll show you. Like we will even show you as a country eventually. And it's something that, you know, I feel like the Han has helped me in my life because as an actor, you know, especially in this country and my generation, every day you're told you're not good enough, that right. you're never gonna make it. Like, are you are you gonna be an actor? Like, are you yeah. freaking out of your mind? Like, so that there, there's that sense of like, okay, now I'm, now I'm pissed off. Like, I'll show you there's this re sense of revenge or anger, but it's like that kojebi, that, 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 that stubbornness to go, okay, well, I'm gonna show everybody that I can, I'm, I'm, I can become something. It's right? almost like Han is needed to survive in the entertainment industry. Mm -hmm. It's like every day there's rejection, you know, tons of auditions yeah. and, and expectations of things. Uh, and I, I agree. I feel like it's helped me going. It's helped me kept going on in this, in this entertainment industry. And I think that's probably why revenge movies are so big and prominent in Korean culture. Yeah. You know, the old boys and sympathy for Mr. Vengeance and I don't know. There just seems like a lot of Han themed stuff. Um, but that that name wasn't given to you necessarily based off of that, right? Like, no, I don't think anyone Lin. even knew what it meant. It was it was so. Better, Han came from you know, Better Luck Tomorrow, mm -hmm. pretty much, right? And then when Justin um, and the uh, other writers were writing Better Luck Tomorrow. I think one of their roommates in college was named Han. I actually met him, and I think he worked in like computer science or something. Yeah. Right? So, and his name was Han. He was Korean, and he had this kind of, you know, this I guess I I call it like the K Town swagger. Yeah, yeah. Right. Like when I met dudes, in from L.A. that grew up in K Town or Northridge, it was a different swagger than I had because you know I came from the South, from Georgia, right? So different cadence of the way you talk, yeah, and, and everything, a, and a different sense of assuredness. Like mm. you know, they're like you. It felt like you know they knew that they weren't alone because there were other Koreans in high school exactly. and junior high that would have your back, right? Where most of the time I was like the only dude, right? Even the only Asian, yeah. Um, in the in the school or in the neighborhood, so you, nobody had your back. You mm. know what I mean? So mm. it was this kind of cool, like you know, like 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 cadence, man. It was like I liked it. You know, I was like, where'd they get that? So you're trying you to know? capture that confidence and that energy of like having a community behind your back. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, and not yeah. being a fish out of water. Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, you can go if if you have you know sense of community and family. And you know that there's people that will always come to your rescue. You can walk into any situation with your shoulders back and not have to like make excuses for yourselves, right? Mm. And that's something that I struggled probably until like last year to feel like, to have that like two feet on the ground to go, like I do have a sense of community. I can be proud. Yeah. I don't know where I was from, man. So I didn't grow up in Korea. You know, in America, I always felt like, hey, do you belong here? Right? Are you truly accepted? And then, you know, it's like Asian America is such a broad, like, general definition. It's like, am I accepted by them? Like, what does that even mean? Yeah. Right? And, you know, going back to Korea this past year, dude, I came back, like, with this amazing sense of pride. 
This episode is brought to you by ZocDoc. Have you guys found it to be a hassle to find a good doctor? Sometimes I've gotten sick and I have to rough through it probably longer than I had to because I want to avoid finding a doctor near me, calling them, see if the insurance is in a network. The whole thing is a hassle. It's so crazy that you can find a restaurant nearby that has high reviews, go through their reviews, get a reservation within minutes. But when it comes to a doctor, it has to be such a hassle. Well, you don't have to deal with that anymore because there's a ZocDoc. ZocDoc has thousands of top-rated doctors and also they're listed with verified patient reviews so you can find and book a doctor who not only has years of experience and an actual medical degree, but also gets you. ZocDoc is a free app where you can find amazing doctors and book appointments online. We're talking about booking appointments with thousands of top-rated patient-reviewed doctors and specialists. You can filter specifically for ones who take your insurance, are located near you, and treat almost any condition you're searching for. Go to ZocDoc.com dumb, D-U-M-B, and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. That's ZocDoc, Z ocdoc.com slash dumb zocdoc.com slash dumb d-u-m-b what did you go out there for i went there for work i did this like this docu-series about car culture throughout the world and one of the stops was korea and korea does not have a car history really you know um but then exploring it with a car history that is recognized within other parts of the world right um, it's usually, you know, America, Japan, and Germany, right? Um, but Korea, you, you don't go, hey, you know, car community or, you know, car meets or, yeah. you know, racing history. You don't think of Korea, right? Yeah. But the Hyundai has, the, especially the Hyundai Pony has like serious car history. Mm. You know, there is no back to the future without Hyundai. Did you know that? The movie? The Back to the Future car, the DeLorean. DeLorean, yeah. Was designed by the same guy who designned the first Hyundai consumer car, the Hyundai Pony. I didn't know that. And that's yeah. pretty dope. I wonder if Bobby Hundreds knows that because he's a huge DeLorean fan. I think he yeah, owned I'm, one I'm at sure one point. He, I'm yeah. sure if he is a DeLorean fan, he should know. Yeah. So Jajoria, the, the guy who designed the DeLorean, designed the um, concept car for the Hyundai Pony. Wow. And it looks just like the DeLorean. And now they have this Hyundai N74 hydrogen car that looks like the DeLorean, right? And I got to drive that in Korea. Yeah. And um, starting with the cars, right? Starting with the cars. Like I went there with this kind of prejudice of like what car culture is. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like even in Tokyo Drift, I make fun of the Hyundai. Like there's a line where I'm like, (laughs) To the to the lead actor, you think I'm gonna let you drive in Hyundai? And I give him keys to like a Mitsubishi, right? Yeah. And, um. I went there but with no expectations. I, you know, no one's paying me to go there to speak on behalf of any current car brand. And I feel like with cars, I want to always keep it very, like, you know, authentic as well, right? Um, and I drove the N74 hydrogen concept car, which is awesome. But then I drove their N series. They have like a, like the, this Ionic 5 all electric car. And it, blew my mind man it, it converted me to what the future of ev was going to be and then as a car enthusiast they thought of everything that i would ever hope for in a in a car to begin with but yeah. then you add the electric car it's like 600 plus horsepower there's a drift mode there's like real sound i yeah. mean it's fake sound but it's sound to 
emulate like what a like a naturally aspirated car would That's sound crazy. like and it just drives like it's so fun yeah right and it's beautiful and so automatically i'm going something that i'm passionate about cars in the homeland they're they are like pushing the needle forward mm. right they are going to revolutionize what electric consumer cars are going to be for the true car enthusiast yeah. not the guy who just wants to take the car from to work and home right or home to work the guy who wants to go on a weekend drive in the canyons yeah. and go to car meets and personalize their cars it's like dude korea's like way ahead of everybody and i was like so proud yeah you know like I, i i was like wow this little country is like you know like in the forefront of pop culture like k-pop music cinema right and now within like the automobile industry they're mm -hmm. like they've leveled up that's, right? that's amazing and i was able to leave korea like going i am so proud dude yeah of like being korean of a person of korean descent it was a first time i ever felt like i'll never have to ever make excuses for being korean again <laughs> and know? now you could rep on the car side and have the pride in that department yeah you know as a representative of the car of the car culture as well um that brings up a good question though because you're talking about the evolution of vehicles right now going into electric and all that like what does that mean for a lot of enthusiasts that follow the fast and furious franchise with the vehicles in the movie is do you sense like a lot of like nostalgia elements when they look at the cars there or like the muscle cars or like what is the sentiment of like electric vehicles to like car enthusiasts I, I, there's always going to be you know the the old older purists yeah. you know guys that are like oh no it has to be petrol it has to be gas yeah right? yeah and i'm not going to change but you know i think people who are just like progressive thinkers, right? It's, you know, it, every, everything has to evolve. Remember yeah. it was like eight track to cassette tapes yeah. to, you know, CDs. And there was a school that were like, oh, I mean, records. So they were like, hey, I'm never gonna get into CDs. That's stupid, right? Yeah. You know, it's like, it's like, if you wanna be that dude, like you can stay there, but it's just the natural course of evolution. Everything's gonna evolve, right? Yeah. And, And the the definition of what a car enthusiast is is going to change by generation by mm. generation. These kids today, if they're born into a, a world of all electric cars, that's what they know. And if they love cars and they love speed, they're going to personalize those cars in their own way. Yeah. Right. If it's just like you know exterior modifications or whatever it is, you know they're going to figure out their way to go. This is a representation of me. Mm. Right. And so whatever that definition is, is, is evolving every day, right? Um, and the, the people that are like, you know, I think that are sticking around within the car industry, they're just progressive thinkers, mm. right? They're not stuck in their ways. They can appreciate, you know, older cars. They can, you know, appreciate the history. And even they have maybe a couple in their garage, but they're also keeping up with the times, right? Mm -hmm. And, um, And you know, just like everything else, I think you have to, you know. Yeah. Do Do you remember the first time you got your license, like when you took the test and yeah. like went on a driver's test? What, yeah, yeah. How old were you? Uh, fifteen. I was fifteen too. Yeah. I, I think fifteen and a half or something was like the age limit of when you can take like a permit uh, a permit test or something. 
And when you get when you're 15 and get the license, it might be different in different times, whatever. But not calling you old, you know. <laughs> I'm old. Yeah, I'm like way older than you. I could be your dad. I don't know if you give me my dad. No, no, I don't think you give me my dad. I could. You're 37. Yeah, I could have had you when I was like. <laughs> 13, 14. <laughs> <laughs> Dad, you'd be out here if you had me then. Um, but yeah, I remember taking the test. I failed the written test about three times before yeah. I passed it. The yeah. driving test, I passed the first time, but the written test, I failed three times. Well, you said you got it when you are 15? Yeah. So uh, you're- We had driver's ed. I don't know if you had driver's ed. We didn't have driver's ed. You yeah. had it in school. Yeah, yeah. You, it was an option. You could take it as like a class. I think it was like a lunch class or after school class. Yeah. And then they basically just taught you everything for the test. And this was in Georgia? Mm -hmm. So you did it and you passed the first time around? The, yeah, well, I cheated too. <laughs> you cheated? How did you yeah, cheat? Yeah, yeah, because the they, they had the answers like at the, for the, the counter. For the written test. Yeah. They just need, they just try to get, get yeah, the test. Yeah, back then they, there were no computer. They didn't care, care man. It's yeah. like, you know, they checked your eyes. Can do? Can you see? Yeah. Right. And then you do the, like the lame little driving test and, you know, and then you, and there were like answers that I didn't know. And I just walk up to the counter. It was under like glass. Yeah. And it was like Scantron, right? Yeah. Right? Yep, or multiple yep. choice, right? Yeah. So. And you were driving your parents' car or what? I didn't have a car in college. I mean, in high school. You didn't have a car? No, they never let me drive, man. It's yeah. like, uh, they gave somebody, I got a car on my 16th birthday. It was like the family hand-me-down. It was like a Dodge Monaco, like mm. light blue, big old whale of a car. They, the parents never drove it. It was like the family car that we had from the 80s. And it was just in front of the house, right? yeah. just riding away. And so this was the car that was going to be my car. And at 16, I super excited. My friends came over, like, you know, and we like washed the car, got it all ready. Um, I was like, we're going to go for a cruise, man. And I got my driver's license and I went to my dad and I was like, all right, I'm 16. And he's like, congratulations, that is your car. And I'm like, great, I go, can I get the keys? And he goes, do you have insurance? And I go, what's that? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. what does that mean? Yeah. He's like, well, you gotta be insured, son. And I'm like, well, how do I do that? And he's like, well, this is, I think it was like 60 bucks or 80 bucks, yeah. right? You have to pay to get me on the insurance. He goes, where are you gonna get that money? And I'm like, I don't have that kind of money. He's like, well, you need to get a job. He just like sets you up for everything dude, else in life yeah. through the car. And then I, I could never really come up with the money. So he sold it. And then some dude, I remember was driving it around the neighborhood, just like rubbing salt into the like wood. slap to the yeah. face. But I had, all my friends drove. So they would pick me up and then, you know, we'd be working on their cars and, you know, it's, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. I think I, I saw an interview or something you were saying, that the franchise kind of reignited your love for cars, mm -mm. but you weren't necessarily going into the franchise as like a gearhead. Like. No, no, no. I, I, I had a love affair for the, 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 like the concept of restoration, mm -hmm. like old cars. Because I had a neighbor, this old Korean war vet, I had no kids, and he would let me hang out in the garage with him, and he would teach me the process of restoring this '63 Impala, right? Yeah. Like, you know, how do you, how do you make it like factory correct? Where do you order the parts? And, you know, he was like, like that grandfather that you always wanted. Right. And he would just let me hang out with him. So I was like, that's pretty awesome. And then that, that, the feeling in an old garage with cigarettes and, you know, and, and oil and old beach boy, like songs playing on the radio. It's, it feels like church. If there's like, it's like, it's a real comfortable yeah. environment. So I do well in old 
stampy garages, right? Because of that nostalgia. Yeah. But in my house, no, we didn't have anything like that, right? So, and then, you know, going into acting, I don't think I don't think people understand like how poor you are, right? You know, I had like thirty jobs, man. Mm. You know what I mean? Just trying to eat, and then. You know, you, I work in the evening, and then you know, or or I take classes in the evening. You work day shift, or you work a night shift to, and then if you get a, if you're lucky to get an audition, right? You like, you got to get there. You got to prep and stuff. And so the, you know, idea of having a hobby that actually costs some money, it's like, come on, this is impossible. It, it is crazy to think because, like, if you looked at your filmography, you know, people will recognize all these movies and TV shows that are hit. TV shows and movies, but they won't realize like how little you would get paid as a you know a feature actor in a, in a thing. You know dude, what I mean? Even with Fast, yeah, yeah. or like yeah. Fast, dude. You I have was to build still, up to it. Right? I was still working at a restaurant when Fast Tokyo Drift came out. Wow, right? Like, you know, I I think I brought home like Fast for Tokyo Drift, probably like maybe. 20 grand maybe like net yeah right maybe just all together yeah right and that 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 was a lot of money for me i yeah. was like what and this is like in my 30 mm -hmm. i was like 30 31 when i shot tokyo mm -hmm. so that was like probably the that was the biggest payday i ever ever got in my life yeah. to have like like 20 grand or whatever in like my hand all at once like you're like what yeah. Right. But then I was still actually like, work. I still had to hustle. I had to still go and do like a day job. There's right? like a weird high though. Like you can be broke and go to, go home to a shitty apartment, but being part of something grand like that, that might have a billboard or something. You just mm -hmm. feel like a king. I have that same feeling like back in the day when I was freestyling on the streets or battle rapping. I was just killing it out there, you know? And, and I'd come home to a shitty studio apartment and I'd, I'd lay in bed, pillow behind me, and I'd be like, all in a day's work. And uh -huh. I just literally came home broker than uh -huh. I was when I left to do the thing. Yeah, You know what yeah, I mean? But for yeah. some reason, I felt rich. You feel rich in the thing that you care about doing. Yeah. And, and that's a beautiful thing. Yeah, but, it wasn't about the money. Like, I, I mean, that, was, that felt like a lot of money, but I, I didn't care. Like, I never you know i never started acting with part of the you know equation being like oh it's going to make me a rich person right like cuz i understood it's probably better to go and do these other things cuz cuz it took me so long to actually make a living as an actor mm -hmm. i saw so many people my age you know buy a house have health insurance like to be able to like buy actually like a new suit yeah right like you know to go on vacation like like, where are you going? Like, I'm going on vacation. Like, yeah. how do you do that? You know, to have health insurance, all these things. It's like, you know, so I knew that there was other things I could do to actually go and probably make a lot of money, right? And, but something just kept me going. I, maybe it was the Han. It's like, yeah. I gotta do this. I can't leave this earth without leaving a mark Yeah, somehow. And I don't know how to do it other than be an actor. And it was just, and it's all just throwing it in the wind. There's no formula for it. There's like, I don't think I I can say like, oh, it was that person that mentored me. Yeah. Like I had a great acting teacher, you know, Sal Romeo, who, you know, taught me and Jason Scott Lee and Dustin Nguyen. And he created this, you know, 
little theater company, you know, in Los Feliz. And he would, you know, teach us for free and stuff, you know, and it was like a conservatory and let us go do theater and fall on our face. But for the acting, he would be like, you know, the process or the technique of acting, learning method and Meisner and, you know, Stanislavski system. Sure, you know, he was the mentor, he was the guru, right? But in terms of how to navigate Hollywood, I don't know about you, but like, you know, there was definitely no book or no place I could go to and go, hey, young, of course. what do I do? Like, yeah. how do I get an agent? Like, how do I stay hopeful? Yeah. You know what I mean? That's why when I see, you know, shows like Beef, I'm like, dude, if Beef was around when I was starting out, at least I could watch it and go, that's, I, you can hope and there's, right. it's, it's, t- you can touch it. And you see Steve, you know, getting his Emmy and Golden Globe, yeah. you can go, hey, that guy looks like me. Right, right. Well, right? That, you know what I mean? This is actually a good question because uh-huh. I can understand a young Asian kid right now wanting to go into acting, sure, right? Sure. But when I think about you or people of that generation, even like Bobby Lee going into stand-up and things sure. like that, like, what what was the thing? Because you're already on your path to becoming a lawyer. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm wondering, just like, I'm trying to put my head in your head, like as a pr- someone who's trying to be a lawyer, and you're like, no, I want to be an actor. Like, where the fuck did that come from? Well, the the idea of being a, an entertainer came when I was a little kid. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I remember I went to the, the, the pier in San Francisco as a little boy. My parents took me up there with some like family friends that, that, that lived at the Presidio. There was like an army base up there. Yeah. And then they took me to, to the pier to go get like clam chowder soup and stuff. And there was this mime. And this dude was like, and they go, just wait here. We're going to go get the soup. And then I remember, probably was like, you know, 10 to 12 or something like that. And I was just sitting there and this dude, like, I don't know, there's no, I, I haven't seen the mime lately, but you know, this guy was like full on mime. Like, Street you performer. Know, yeah. Marceau, Marceau type of dude. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And he's just, he's just doing his thing. And he evoked like sadness and laughter. And, you know, there was like a story he was telling. And I was just like amazed that a, a person, another human being with no words yeah, could evoke emotion. And I was like, and I'm just like, you know, I, f- I probably had like, you know, ADD as a kid, but I was just so focused on this guy, this person. Yeah. Right? And I was like, where does this like superpower come from? Right? How does he do that? How yeah. does he have this like courage and this bravery to just come on the street, on the sidewalk and just do this. So he really did make an impact on you. Oh, huge. First time. Because That's I was insane. like, this is a superpower. Yeah. To entertain, right? And what are you doing it for? It's not like, it's not on TV. It's like, you know, what are quarters and dollar right. bills and a little hat, right? But it's like, dang, man, this guy, this guy is amazing. It's like, it was like, it was, it was to see it live because I didn't grow up going the- to live theater and mm-hmm. stuff. To see that, right? It's like, whoa, man, you know? And then, you know, and then you go to the movie theaters and it's like, that's that, that was like a sanctuary for me to like watch any type of movie, right? That was the one thing that my stepfather and I did together. We didn't do much together, but he loved movies, Yeah, right? So we'd go to double headers and stuff like, you know, there'd be like Mad Max and like one and two, mm-hmm. or there'd be like American Ninja, one and two, three, four, five, yeah. right? Like show, show Kasugi Ninja movies. Yeah. And th- the idea of like, you know, 
being someone that entertains people was like, it was like, of course, it was like, it's, it was like a dream, but it's not a conversation I had at the dinner table. Mm. There's nobody I knew that were entertainers in my family. There's, you know, we didn't have anybody like that. We didn't have any artists. Yeah. Everybody was in America that's like, just survive. Yeah. There were convenience store owners and liquor store owners and gas station owners. So the, the idea of art or cinema or music was, it was, it was not that. It was go make money and go to church, right? Yeah. That was yeah. it, right? So, but I knew as a kid, like when I would, be getting jumped, right? And being called all of these, like, you know, like derogatory Asian names. I was like, I don't want to go out like this. Mm. You know, I, I can't go out like this. I can't go out as some stereotype. And I don't know what I'm going to do for my future. You yeah. know, like, what was it? What is it going to, how is it going to satiate this, like, fire this Han to, yeah. like, leave a mark, to have I, a voice, right? You I, know? I liked what you said about that. Like, I can't go out like this. I felt, I feel kind of, I, I could really relate to that feeling I feel at the time and knowing like what I could do about it. It's like, I guess if you're a young Asian fighter or a boxer, a martial artist, like that could be your thing, you know? Mm -hmm. For me, it was like words, right? So I'm like, I can go out like this. I can clown back, Yeah. you know? And I, I, I really related to what you said right there. Like, I can't go out like this, you know? I gotta end up, in the top, right? I, I got to at least say my piece. You know what I mean? That's right. Uh, this episode is brought to you by Jackrabbit Bike. I just got sent one of these e-bikes, and it is the coolest e-bike I have ever owned. And I've probably been through about four. I've never really fell in love with e-bikes, but this one is so light. It reminds me of a BMX bike. I've been cruising all around Koreatown in one of these. I could pick it up with one hand. And they come in two models. The Jackrabbit OG, which has 10-mile range, 20 miles per hour. And also the Jackrabbit XG, which is the one I own, 20 miles range and 20 miles per hour. This thing is really cool. It's just sleek. It doesn't look bulky. It just like looks like a cool BMX bike, and I highly recommend it if you're in the market for a nice e-bike that fits in the back of your car, easy to lug around, literally can pick it up with one hand. That's the biggest thing for me is that it's ultra light. That's a huge thing about e-bikes that I was turned off by. They're too heavy. This one is perfect size, so I highly recommend it. Go check out jackrabbit.bike or check out their Instagram, jackrabbit.bike. And surprise to all our Fun With Dumb listeners, we are giving away a customized Fun With Dumb Jackrabbit e-bike on our social. So follow us at Fun With Dumb. That's at Fun With Dumb for your chance to own your own Jackrabbit e-bike. You went to college in Southern California, mm -hmm. right? UC Riverside. Mm -hmm. And then you stayed out here in LA and you were just pursuing, like what did that like struggling actor life look like? You were working somewhere in daytime and you do auditions. Well, I, I, so to give you the history of how it like, like was, it, it was like the tipping point to go, okay, go full steam ahead. Mm -hmm. Like don't just like have your toes in it. Yeah. Was um, I was working um, one summer uh, at, it was probably like senior year, I was like, senior or junior year and my I had a KSA brother yeah. Korea, KSA Korean Student Association at the colleges yeah. and stuff and he was Japanese American of all things right <laughs> yeah. and he was the only one that would be my like in the KSA you had like a young like mm -hmm. a mentor mm -hmm. 
and they had to kind of pick you or like you would request and they have to, you know, it has to match up, right? Yeah. And he was the only dude that would like, that said yes to me. And he was this Japanese American guy, <laughs> That's so funny right? This is big one word of Korean, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? He was not Korean, yeah. right? And, but he was the perfect match for me because he loved everything TV and movies. Okay. It was like a Wikipedia of yeah. anything that Cinephile, was on TV. Yeah. And, and just loved, loved like soundtracks. And I could go, hey, so who who did the soundtrack for, you know, Star Trek, like the movie, like the first one, the second one? And he would know. He would and he would actually have a cassette tape of it. And he would he was the type of guy that would be listening to that in his car. First Asian dude, yeah. Asian American dude I ever met that nerded out like that. Mm. Right? You know, I was like, Usually you get into a dude's car and they have some Alpine system and they're just pumping bass. That was like what they would nerd out. But yeah. he nerded out on everything that was on TV. That was like from 70s, 80s, and 90s. And um, and he was a huge Trekkie. It was the first Trekkie I ever met too. Yeah. Right? And he knew the Universal Studios um, tour monologue yeah. by heart. <laughs> what that's crazy yeah so we would be driving and he would just start reciting and i was like yeah. and then i would you know and he was the first like asian like american like dude that i could just be totally open with and go hey man you know i really have this dream to be an entertainer like i would love to be a movie actor but how is that even possible and he got me a job his 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 uh his uh godfather um Kabota-san worked at this, um, was the like the manager foreman at this export-import company in the Bay called Nippon Express. Mm -hmm. And they had a home moving department where uh, Japanese business uh, families would like move to the Bay or mm -hmm. like leave. And so you would, they would hire, you know, college kids that were Asian that were comfortable taking off their shoes and yeah. we would go pack all their stuff. Very Japanese, right? Yeah. And, um, so we would get these like summer and winter jobs through Kubota-san because of Royce, because of Royce Yaka, my older brother. And I was staying at his place. His dad was the dopest dude. Like his dad was a former jockey for Lucille Ball, you know, oh, like shit. horse jockey. Yeah. And just like this man's man, but little guy, but like just tough ass <laughs> dude, yeah, right? Yeah. And um, and I and and Royce would just like expose me to all of like you know, the TV, like history, like who are the writers, like who did the soundtracks, who are the producers. And he just was this Wikipedia. He didn't want to be an actor or even go into Hollywood. He just, it's this the thing that he nerded out on, right? Mm -hmm. And then one day he's like, hey, I want to take you to go watch this movie. And it's like, well, let's go to this matinee at the Kabuki Theater in Little Japan mm -hmm. in, 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 in San Francisco. And he goes, I think you should really like try to be an actor. Right. And I'm like, yeah, but I don't know anybody, man. I don't, I, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, you know, and I was doing theater since I was a little kid mm -hmm. and taking all the acting classes that I could. But, um, you know, it wasn't serious. Like, you know, it's like, that's to, to go, I'm going to be a professional actor. It's like the switch. And right? you hadn't made that. No, no. no. I was like, no way. Yet. It was just like a dream. It's yeah, like saying, yeah, yeah. hey, one day I'm going to be a astronaut. Right. It's yeah. like, Psh, yeah, right. Right. And, um, he takes me to watch this movie, Matinee. We're the only ones in the theater called Map of the Human Heart. And it was it's a French film with this Asian-American actor, Jason Scott Lee, who's from Hawaii. Mm -hmm. Jason is probably like 
I think a decade older than me, right? I would say he's from the generation of Dustin Nguyen from 21 Jump Street mm -hmm. and Russell Wong, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. And so they were like the older brothers, right? And I had never seen this actor before, but he's speaking English. It's a romantic, like leading ma you know, male. He's not doing Kung Fu. You know, there's nothing like, you know, like stereotypical about it or, you know, derogatory. There's nothing, you know, Ching Chong-y about it, right? Um, and I was, he's like, look, man, you know, maybe the world is changing. It's like, there's opportunities for guys like him. And he knew like, for some reason, everything about Jason Scott Lee, this is pre-internet. So he, he's like, this guy's from Hawaii. You know, it's like, you know, and he, he lives in LA. It's like, you should go find him. And I was like, I'm going to go find him. So I just hunted Jason down. Yeah. It was like, it, I was like, if he can do it, finally I saw my face on screen. Yeah. Right. With something that I want to do. Like, look, I think Jackie Chan's and Jet Li's are amazing because they're masters of their craft, but I didn't want to do that. Yeah. Right. That was not something because you already have Bruce Lee, Jackie Chan, right, Jenny. Right. They don't need me to be, you know, mm -hmm. the fourth dude in line. Yeah. I was like, you know, I, I, I felt like I had something unique to offer, right? And I was like, but then I finally saw somebody that I go, if I could find him, I could ask him questions. Yeah. Because he's doing exactly what I want to be doing. Yeah. So I, I hunted him down for years. <laughs> That's crazy. Came down, I was like working all these jobs, yeah. you know, like taking these like janky, like acting classes, just and, you know, doing this and that, you know, could never get my footing. And then I was... Like it was, I was working some day shift at some restaurant, and the cashier it was Korean, and um, this one they had cashiers, not like computers where you the, the waiters did, mm -hmm. did all that. It was like I literally a cashier, <laughs> yeah, yeah. right? And she goes, "Hey, come over here, Sung." She's like, and she was reading like the Korea Times. That's right, like mm -hmm. the Korean newspaper, and and in the classified there was an ad for background actors for this. Sencom security commercial from Korea starring Columbo, Peter Falk. And they needed like tall, like Korean men to come in and be background and actors. And it's in the Korean newspaper. In the Korean they're newspaper. trying to find people yeah. like that. That's and crazy. And they're paying like $100 a day. Yeah. Right? And I was like, and she's like, go do that. You can meet Columbo. Columbo is like big and Yeah, of course. Yeah. So you get to like ask like a professional actor like what to do, right? And I was like, yeah, that's a great idea. So she called for me. And this guy, Steve Kim, Korean American dude, picks up the phone. He was a production manager. He goes, and he goes, Yeah, come here, come to this place, and we're gonna shoot this commercial. So I go there, shoot the commercial, and never got to meet Peter Falk. But Steve Kim, this guy, grew up in Santa Monica, mm -hmm. right? Same age as me. Korean American can't speak a lick of Korean. He goes, Hey dude, so what do you wanna like do? And I'm like, dude, I wanna be an actor. And he goes, Yeah, me too. He goes, you know, so tomorrow I'm going to go meet this teacher, this guy named, Italian guy named Sal Romeo at this place called Friends and Artists in Los Feliz. And he's the teacher for Jason Scott Lee. And mm -hmm. I was like, what? I was like, you who? He's like, Jason Scott Lee. And he's like, this guy, he's in the, he was in the Dragon movie and the you know, Bruce Lee biopic and this movie called Map of the Human Heart. And I was like, yo, man, I've been looking for this dude. Like, yeah. You got to take me, please. You got to take me. He goes, well, it's kind of like an appointment. I have a go, dude, I'm begging you, please take me. So I go with him the next day to go meet Sal. Yeah. And I'm begging Sal, right? I feel like push Steve out the way. I'm like, 
how do I be a part of your theater company? How do I take class with you? Because I'm like, this is my like road to get to Jason mm-hmm. Scully. To, if this guy taught Jason, then I'm at the right place. Yeah. So I studied with Sal for probably like 10 years. It was like seven days a week. I had I can I can't afford his classes, right? So he would let me work lights in the theater, like wash his car, yeah. take care of the studio, and then work behind because he also like did audition coaching. Yeah. So he would you know need a reader. What year was this? This was ninety four, five, okay. six, seven, eight, nine. So throughout nine, throughout yeah. the nineties, yeah. yeah. And then there was a a used bookstore around the corner that he was really good friends with called Aldine's Bookstore. And they had a theater section with every book about acting, mm. right? And the owner, if you were a student of Sal's, he would let me, like, for 20 bucks, take a box of books. So Sal was like, read this, read this, read this. And so he was like my education of what, uh, you know, the the method or the process yeah. or the technique of acting is. And I got to see, like, some of the most amazing actors ever. And they also taught me that just because... You're this gifted, amazing actor. Doesn't mean or actress doesn't mean that Hollywood is gonna make you into a star. Because mm. I saw people, and I would ask Sal. I go, Sal, like Michelle just did this scene from Shakespeare, and I, 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 I'm never gonna be able to do that. Like I don't even know how she did that. Yeah, like she's off book. Like it's like she just read it, and she's like, oh, that's like some prodigy. Like I don't know how to do that. And this woman is like never worked. <laughs> That's crazy. Right? And you're like, yeah. and so it taught me, it's like, hey, there's a whole bunch of factors. Yeah. Right? And then Jason started, like, you know, he would come and visit and Dustin, the wind would be there. So yeah. I got to see like these older brothers, at least like go, hey, they're here and they made it. Right? You know, we weren't close, right? You know, I, I was closer to D- Dustin. Dustin was living in LA, so I could like, you know, approach him more. During the, the this time in the 90s, you're going out to auditions as well, right? Maybe like one every three months. Every three months? One every six months. What what is it what does it look like in there? Like in the waiting room of the audition, do you have people you would run into that you know regularly? Uh is there any like Asian actor in particular that you you know you've been friends with since then or you've seen during that time? Well, everybody from Better Luck Tomorrow, if you guys remember that movie, yeah. Every single one of those actors you'd from- run into them. We'd be at the same audition. Wow. And like, oh, we're all so different. Yeah. You know, and like, I mean, John Cho was there. It's like, you know, he had started, like actually, you know, his career started moving way ahead of everybody else's because I think he did American Pie, right? Yeah, right? yeah. You know, he he was considered like, oh, he's a working actor. Mm. You know, he's in these big movies. And everybody else is just like, you know, it's like you're just hoping <laughs> yeah. really it was like literally just hoping yeah. and then you know you would see you know i'd run into like a you know like a russell wong once in mm. a while and you're like that's a movie star yeah and then if you saw them at the same audition you're just like your heart your stomach just drops because you're like what the hell am i doing here who are the asian movie stars then it was like russell wong you had like lucy Liu, which she have she was already kind of working at that time right yeah i think so yeah lucy i, I didn't i i never met her yeah, I'm just so, trying to put my yeah. mind in like 
an Asian American person at that time, like who I would have been considered like Asian movie stars, you know? Yeah, so it'd be, it would have been Russell Wong. Yeah. Right. But I was like, I'm not half white though. So I don't, I'm never going to be oh, Russell yeah, he's Wong. Hapa, right? right. Yeah. I'm like, dang it. Right. <laughs> um, Jason Scott Lee was probably, I would say, at that time, like true bona fide, like Asian American, like movie star. Mm -hmm. Right. Because when he came out in uh, Dragon, the Bruce Lee biopic, yeah. directed by Rob yeah. Cohen, who yeah, directed yeah, yeah. the first fat. I still love that biopic. Yeah. And they did Jungle Book. So, yep. It was like this, he's the he was you know number one on the call sheet. He's the lead of these movies. Yep. Right. And I think Dragon made money. So you know, a movie star is basically you know someone that's leading a movie and the and they make the budget plus a percentage. That's the movie star, yeah. right? So you know, was he able to do it? I think for some and some not. You know, um, and so I always looked at Jason going. He is. The only Asian American Asian American movie star, mm. you know, like Jet Li's came in and you know, they were doing a whole bunch of films, right? Yeah. But I couldn't identify with them. You yeah. know what I mean, and it's like Jason. And then when you met him, you're like, you know, he's a he's a brother from Hawaii, so he's like so chill and mellow, right? And you're like, I can you see yourself in him? Yeah. And so I would say he was the only dude that I could go. At least he made it. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean. Even in those sketches with like Bobby, the Korean drama sketches, that yeah. seems so early to do a Korean drama sketch. That's why no one got it. No one understood what the hell we were. No, doing. no one, no one got it. Yeah, that's why we were able to even do all that. Well, how did that all come about, and what was the reception? Like, like you just said, you know, no one really got it. But <laughs> what were they like la laughing at? Was it just the weirdness of it all then? Or what do you think? I mean. Well, that that is one of those things with Bobby. It's like, I think that's why Bobby always feels like, like, you know, like a real like, like family member because mm -hmm. we're the same age and we've been in this kind of around the same time. Right. And anytime I have an opportunity that I try to like, like suggest or cast Bobby in any project I do. Really? Yeah, like literally, first movie I ever produced, I was like, we, we gotta use Bobby. You know, first like TV pilot I ever shot, we have to use Bobby. Um, and I, I just love having Bobby around because there's this, so just this, you know, it's this fun, like really, at least back then, this really wonderful, innocent, like energy. You know what I mean? Yeah, you guys are literally peers. Yeah, like, and it up. was like having a cousin like on set yeah right and it was this unsaid understanding of what we're going through but it was also this like for me it was like this natural thing if i can help him right i'm gonna help him and i think you know mad tv thing was vice versa it's like hey you know there's an opportunity to like do something and then we just went and did it it was there was no like oh yeah if we it's there's this future it's like i'd looked at it, it's like hey it's like your cousin calling you it's like hey man you can make a few bucks. I'm on this TV show. I have the ability to bring somebody and recommend. Yeah. And then we can just kind of come and play. Yeah. Right? And when you trust each other, you just go and do nonsense, right? And you're able to take these, like, I guess, you know, these risks. And that was it. You know, I think yeah. that was, it. and when I watch it now, I'm like, it, it, you're right, it looks so dated, but it was this innocence to it, right? Yeah. Because there's like, what? why'd you do that? It's like, because Bobby called, right? yeah, 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 yeah. And that was it. I mean, I think it's kind of cool <laughs> that you guys did like a K drama spoof at such yeah. an early time. Where K now K dramas, everyone knows the gist yeah, yeah. of how it goes. 
you have the melodramatic moments, someone who's sick and all that. But like you're playing up to those things in a sketch like at that time. Yeah. As a viewer, I don't know. I'd be like, what the fuck? If you weren't familiar with Korean dramas, you know? Yeah. Yeah, but that's amazing. Uh, also, like I came across a thing. You were in a K-pop music video. Yeah, yeah. G-O-D. Yeah. When was, this was before Fast and Furious? Yeah, yeah, way before. I was living down the street. In, in K-Town? Yeah. Yeah, because you guys are shooting around LA. Yeah, yeah. And uh, like someone just casted you for the no, music? No, 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 no. Someone doesn't just, people think like, you just get cast in something. Yeah. Like, you know, people think like even with fast, like, oh, they just cast you. It doesn't work. Like, you came yeah. from Better Luck Tomorrow, man. We did a little. Right, right, right. right? There's, conne- there's little connections yeah. that get you more stuff. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's happened for me too. Yeah, it's a constant. Huh? So even that video, so I had produced this little short. Yeah. Right, when emails and the internets first started happening, right, there was this company called Adams Films and they had a contest to win $100,000 and you get to use Panavision like cameras to shoot a short. Mm-hmm. You win $100,000. And the way you won is getting email votes. Okay. Right? And so me and the director, basically because every Asian person was like in the forefront of emails, yeah, right? That's like funny. we've worked it out where we won this money. Wow. So we won a hundred grand. So it was this guy, Richard Kim, he had just graduated from USC. And I was always like at USC, UCLA, and AFI looking for like future like Asian American directors. Yeah. Like I would just be there putting my headshot in the boxes and like just, you know, like just pinning it in the in the board and stuff. And you could do that back in the that was I mean, that was what you had to do. That's yeah. that was the hustle. Street team right? yeah. stuff, yeah. And so I'd show up to like, you know, the graduate program. Hey, I'm an actor. So if you guys are doing like your thesis project, I'm available. And then um, so that's how I met Richard, right? And he was taking some class, like three camera TV class at USC and they needed actors. So that's how he and I linked up. And I was the actor in his class, right? For his project. And so he had graduated and he's like, I want to be a film director, man. And, you know, it's like, but how do I, you know, go to the next level? We found this contest, Adam Films. We won the money. And so it was, co- so the, and the, we won it and, and we did there was this little short that he wrote called Talk to Taka, and it was about a sushi man that gave advice. And so we hunted down um, uh, uh, Mr. Miyagi, um, damn, what's his name? Pat, Pat Morita. Pat Morita, yeah. And so when I met Pat Morita, begged him to be in this, he offered you know, to be in it. And then um, we somehow like got to Mako, who was another like, you know, Japanese American mm-hmm. like actor. He was actually nominated for Oscar for this Steve McQueen movie called Sand Pebbles. And so both of them were willing to like be in this little short. Yeah. And that was shot in like downtown LA at Little Tokyo in a closed down sushi restaurant. Yeah. And so we made this movie, right? And in that movie, we needed a crew, obviously. So our camera department was from AFI. And there was a producer and uh, who was Korean-American. I mean, who was Korean-Korean. And, and then the, the cinematographer was Korean and he was studying at FI. So they were part of our camera team. Mm-hmm. And then, so fast forward, they moved back to Korea and they are producing you know, commercials and, and music videos. And then 
they were coming to America with this unknown band called G.O.D. Yep. to shoot this music video called Lies, Kojimai, right? And so they need talent to do the story. So they call me and they're like, hey, uh, son, can you be in this music video? Yeah. And I'm like, nah, man, are you out of your mind? Like, you're crazy, dude. I'm not, that's gonna, I, people are gonna see me at the Norebang when they sing. I go, I'm not gonna do that, dude. <laughs> that's funny. They're like, come on. Because like, they would, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, it is. It would pop up. And it is. <laughs> that's right? funny. And, uh, and so, but they're, you know, they're like, my friends. Well, G.O.D. You know I mean? is a, is an OG legendary K-pop group now. Because I was like, yo, so what is this band? It's like G.O.D. I goes, it's like a religious band? Like, <laughs> yeah, right. I don't get it. That is a bold name, yeah, G.O.D. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, what am I, I going to be doing? It's like, there's a storyline. You know, it's like, so you'd be the, the actor in it. And I'm like, I don't know, man. I don't know about that. Like, dude, it's like, and it's like, there's no money. Like, you right. just, you got to just right. show up, right? And I'm like, ah, I don't, I don't know about all that. Mm. And, uh, and he kept calling me. And then I remember I was like, okay, okay. And then I, I just kind of ignored it. And if you look at that video, my hair looks like I have like K-pop hair. Yeah, yeah. And the reason is because I was asleep. <laughs> so that's full bedhead. Yeah, and it was yeah. like this. And then called me. There's just like, please. And I was like, all right, man. So I drive downtown and we shoot the video. Yeah. And then it became... G-O-D. I, I think, yeah, a lot of K-pop videos at the time, it was just limited resources. Really, the whole production value of it all is like a Korean group in America, and America is the backdrop, and they're just like, how do we make this something? Yeah. So they're probably like, I know one Korean actor in my yeah. network. Yeah. Let's hit him up, and yeah. you showed up. And he'll do it for nothing. <laughs> That's so funny. Right. That's the story. The story is yeah. just like... They just really needed somebody. Yeah. And then I think it was a year later or so, like everybody from Korea is calling me. Anyone mm. I knew, like my relatives. Yeah. And they're like, you're all over the place. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? They're like, you did, that, you did a music video called Kajiman. I go, I don't know what the song is. And it's like, it was like everywhere. And then they became like huge. Yeah. Right. I just actually saw June um, yeah. in Korea. He's doing great. And, you know, we were like reminiscing about all of that and stuff. So. Yeah, it wasn't like, it was, yeah, it, there's no casting. Yeah. I, I don't think I ever got a job from casting. You know, like I probably went out to thousands of auditions and. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 it never worked out like, like that. Well, you know? I mean, when you jumped into Fast and the Furious, you, you're not, you don't know you're about to jump into this long, I you know, 10, 10 plus years commit. Well, how many years has it been now? Like 25 years. Has it been 25? Well, since the first one. Since the first one. Yeah. So around 20 years of a commitment for yeah. you. Yeah. Besides the money part, like what is this huge perk you see in being in this like long lasting franchise? And would you pretty much want to be down for it for another 20 years? What money part? What are you talking about? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I'm sure that's gotten better than your. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. From the beginning. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah. Yeah. All right. I see. But overall, saying. it's like, is this something that you would do for another 20 years? The franchise? Mm -hmm. You know, if you asked me this question, you know, five years ago, right? I would say, nah, no way. Really? Five yeah. years ago? What, yeah. what what happened five years ago? Well, I think if five years ago, or five years ago, four years ago, 10 years ago, you know, there was this, maybe like I had a certain like prejudice against my own like franchise going, mm. I can't be in this like, car movie and be known for Han for the rest of my life. I don't know if I want to do that. It's fair for anyone right? in anything. In, yeah. yeah. Like I want to do other things. Right. And as I get older, 
And as I've been living in this franchise longer and the more I travel like outside of my little like bubble, right? I, you realize like this, the impact of the franchise and then that character, mm. right? And it's something that I can't like just dismiss and go, yeah, it's just this frivolous like dude that's snacking in some popcorn movie. It becomes like bigger than you. It's way bigger yeah, than yeah, me. Yeah, and yeah. also it's like, like you go, well, how, how is that? What am I doing to contribute to humanity as sung, right? And it's like, well, this I get to play this guy Han that now, right, people of all colors are embracing as one of their own. Yeah. Before it was like, Hey, if someone referred to a Asian character from a movie, it's like, yo, man, what do you think? You like Jackie Chan? That, that's loaded. It's kind of derogatory underneath the right. subtext, right? But then Han doesn't have any of that. Which is really cool. Right? Yeah. And I'll share like context is like where it really like someone else had to explain this to me, right? It's like I was in Tampa, Florida. So that's the South, man, you know, and... um I was at this uh, baseball game for the Rays, and um, and you know I'm and and I'm and, and I'm walking to the seat, and you know kids are coming up asking me to sign their baseball and take pictures and mm -hmm. stuff, and there was a um, a, a Asian American director from New York, like that was at the same film festival, and he was there with his wife, and he was clocking these two good old boys, right, like staring at me. And he said that initially, you know, their reaction wasn't positive. Mm. It was almost typical of what you would think a good old boy. But they were watching me, like, you know, talk to people and, you know, take pictures with people, just doing my thing, like being appreciative of like, hey, man, like if, if I'm out in the public, I know a part of the job description is like, you stop, you ask people their names, you take their picture, you give them the pictures, you sign what they want to, you know, and then you move on, right? Yeah. Or just, if you don't want to do that, just don't go outside, right? And um, and then they were watching that and they were like, fuck it. Like, I love hand. And then they came up to me and asked for a picture. <laughs> I love right? hand. Right? I love hand. Right? And, 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 and at dinner, he was saying, dude, you know the impact that this character has throughout the world is that it breaks down this, like, you know, this 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 wall that people have mm. of like unfamiliar faces but because they see you in the movies and they love what han represents they're like they their their racism or whatever they have in their head is secondary and they go and get the picture and then you are just this ambassador right that that's amazing man i i love that what you said it just transcends mm. just the asian bubble of things because i had that conversation with bobby recently right i was like bobby like they should be honoring you at like uh uh unforgettable gala or whatever you know and he's like i don't need the acknowledgement of just just the asian community my brand ex expands way beyond that and it's true People who listen to his podcast, Tiger Belly, follow him as a comic, like it has nothing to do with just like an Asian fan base. Yeah. It transcends that. And the same thing with your character. And that's that's really something special. I think if you're a person of color who gets a project that transcends all those racial boundaries, it's like yeah. one once in a lifetime. Yeah. So to you know, to answer your question, it's like if I have the opportunity to, you know, put on those shoes 
and be able to be an ambassador and help and contribute through a character that you get to play. Mm -hmm. And you know, it's and these fun. These movies are fun. You know, I mean, yeah. these are big, big old budget, like you know, car movies. So I get to be around cars. I get to be around people that I've worked with for the past twenty years. Yeah. And after twenty years, you know, it's like, you know, it's a, it's a dysfunctional family, but they're your family, right? And it's like, a, it's just wonderful because it's a reunion, you know. And you get older, and people get smarter, and they're wiser, and they calm down, right? And so, what's wrong with it? And it's you know? more than rare to be part of a successful franchise that doesn't have a history of coming from comic books or things like that. Yeah. I was just looking at that top 10 franchise list and like six of the 10 are occupied by like Marvel and mm. DC, mm. which is insane. Yeah. That's that's amazing, man. I, I You know, it's interesting too. I was just thinking about this. This is just a thought of with Tyrese, how he executive produced the K-Town reality show. Yeah, yeah. Was there any like connection with you and that and him doing that project? No. I don't, I don't even know what that was about. I think it was on this, there was that trend of those sh like shows that- Jersey Shore. Jersey, yeah, right? Yeah, but yeah. it's like, for those who aren't familiar, there was a reality show, just, it only premiered on YouTube, but it was the early 2000s and it was based around some K-Town cast members, um, just the K-Town uh, locals that are love partying and the nightlife. Yeah. And Tyrese got a, a, uh, attached to the project as executive producer. He like really championed it, was there for the auditions and casting and everything. And now that I'm sitting here with you, I just thought like, was that, was Sung involved in this in any way? No, 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 not at all. I had nothing, I, I, I think I didn't even know about it until he did this like little youtube video thing called the car discussion that i did that's right? what i that was brought it was brought up then right yeah and yeah. you were you guys were joking around about yeah. like k-town not knowing what he was trying to promote it on that thing oh he and was I was like what are you i don't even like, I'm, I'm, <laughs> and you didn't even know about yeah, this yeah i was project. like what, what is this thing you're doing and then and then he did show me like a sizzle of it yeah and i was like yeah like, what were your thoughts of it and he's like can you support this and i go no <laughs> like, i can't man you you can but I'm not gonna do that. Cause I, you were familiar with K-Town obviously at the time. Sure, you sure, know people yeah. in K-Town, sure, you know sure. PK, you know Pedro, sure, all these sure, people. Sure. And you're seeing this, which is like a, essentially like a Jersey Shore yeah. K-Town. Nah, I was like, I, cause the people, the show, whoever's in it might regret later that they were in the show. Right. Like I was like, I don't know the show. I was in part of development. You yeah. know, it's like, I hope it represents the community in a positive way. Right, right. <laughs> but it possibly, can't, you know, it's 50 50. So it is 50 like, 50. I don't, I don't know if I can do that. You know what it's I mean? true. It is yeah, 50 yeah. 50. It's yeah. not 100% negative. There's yeah. still representation involved, yeah. you know, positive or not. But yeah, that's interesting. Um, we're going to do some fun stuff too, on top of all the serious convos we've been having. So I did this thing where I printed out pictures of different vehicles. Uh huh. <clears throat> and as descriptive as you can be, I want you to name the type of person that would drive this car. Oh, okay. Okay, here we go. First, this is a classic vehicle. Um, I think I semi-owned this at one point. It's the neon, Nissan Sentra. Nissan Sentra. Who would own this today or when it came out new? What's the first thought in any era, I guess, that comes to mind? God, this would be like... Uh, econ student at a UC. <laughs> that's that's pretty on point. I like <laughs> that. Econ. I mean, that was pretty specific. You yeah. said you like said a, a major UC Santa Barbara. 
You see Santa Barbara? Yeah. 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 Maybe has some empty cans in the back. Yeah. Okay, here we go. Uh, no, no empty cans. And goes to KS, K, KCF. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Dodge Challenger Demon. Uh, either they stole that car. <laughs> Right, so it's a thief that's gonna go do a, you know, like a, like a, what do you call it, those sideshows, or it's a dude in his like forties to fifties, um, you know, it's like he's crew cut or yeah, you know, losing his hair. He has a black leather jacket, eats at Applebee's. <laughs> These are specific. I'm yeah. not gonna lie, you're killing it. Uh-huh. Any Toyota Prius. Uh, this is, I would say, you know, anybody that went to Berkeley, it's in the film business, possibly a PA or a writer. Yeah. Gaffer. No, no, not Gaffer. Not gaffer. You gotta, you gotta have a bigger car for a Gaffer. Yeah. <laughs> so specific. Yeah, yeah. I love this. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah. great. But the new Prius is pretty nice. It's yeah. It's pretty dope. Yeah. BMW M3. Um, parents own maybe like two dry cleaners. Two liquor stores, so uh, semi successful. You know, yeah, they're they're yeah, not them. They're, they're the 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 children of them. Yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. it's driving this and because the, the immigrant kids always yeah. get it twisted. Like yeah, they're yeah. the ones struggling, but yeah, it's yeah. always their parents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But got into UCLA or Berkeley, and so this is, we'll just focus on UCLA. Got into UCLA, so this is their gift. Their gift, right? <laughs> That's funny, right? And they're rolling around like just blasting the. You know the stereo with a bunch of bass and the full limo tint. Yeah, and then they're on their way. This does feel like a spoiled immigrant's kid's car. Yeah, you know, yeah. Um, Porsche GT3 RS. That's a so two type of owners for that. It's like one is a dude that has like crazy watch collection, right? And it could be from like China. <laughs> yeah. Right, lives in um, Alhambra. Yeah, isn't that the nice area? Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Super rich Chinese. Pass. They might put like a Supreme sticker on the side of it when the car is worth more than <laughs> Supreme, obviously. But, but you're uh, talking about the kid. I'm talking about like the adult version. Oh, this or, the adult version of yeah. owner of this, or a true like purist Porsche like lover, mm. and they know that that is like the dopest Porsche to have probably currently because that is. I I driven that. That is like an amazing car, mm. like amazing. Like yeah, it's just you know, it's the it's the bar of like great sports cars. You yeah, know? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who would own that here or in in Japan? K truck here. Oh here, okay. So it's like true JDM lover. This is like a guy that loves everything, like period eighties, nineties mm. Japanese. Doesn't really care too much about like showing off he's just like you know he wants something unique he's a dude that you want at your birthday party you know he's somebody that you know you probably i would probably want as like a son-in-law you know um (laughs) and just fun dude you know yeah and can talk probably about every japanese jdm car in detail Mm. yeah suzuki jinmi brabus i've never seen one of those but that is Either it's it has to be two types. Either it's a dude that wants a Brabus G wagon. Mm-hmm. Nah, if they were that, they would never buy a Suzuki. I think I think it's somebody that loves the Isuzu Suzuki from the past, the retro version of it, and has now some money. Yeah, 
right? And it's just having fun and almost laughing at himself, right? That he's putting a Brabus kid on it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. It's Toyota Sienna. Well, this the owner of a Toyota Sienna, probably very handsome and smart, <laughs> very enlightened, very a wonderful human being, great actor, great director. You've mentioned this is one of your favorite cars. It is. My, that's what I drove today. Oh, you drove this here. You drove <laughs> yeah. this here. Yeah, it's downstairs. And is your Toyota Sienna decked out? Is it the premium? Like no, I have the. It's the. I think it's the XLE because uh, they're hard to get. Are they? Yeah, there's a platinum edition of this car, which, I mean, if you can find it, good luck to you, right? Yeah. But um, I, I don't, and, and I think even if if I had a choice of what I have, I don't have like the lowest, you know, option model. I think that's the LE, right? I have just enough. Yeah. Right. Um, this it's not flashy, you know, but as everything I need. I mean, Japanese cars usually come fully equipped anyway, so mm -hmm. there's very little options you need to get. It's usually like trim package or. Like extra phone chargers or something. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I mean, yeah, I have the XLE and I'm super happy with it. You know, it's like these, these will, I mean, you could drive this car for probably like half a million to a million miles if you just take care of it. It is know? a great minivan for yeah. sure. All right, here we go. Japan or here? Owner is here or in Japan? Owner is here, Veilside RX7. It, true, true. If the owner is in America and they have this FD. Veilside kit. With the, the Veilside kit's about twenty five, and probably at the end of the day, thirty five thousand dollars installed just for the kit. Oh, wow. Okay, so they have to have some money. Yeah, and also they will probably be a true, true Fast and Furious, specifically Tokyo Drift yeah. like fan to dump in America. Like I would say, the cheapest you could do that car, like. Actually, right is probably around seventy to eighty thousand, right? So but to do do it right to make it look like you know something you want to take to a car show. So someone who's in a very lucrative business like would own this. Um, like what? I don't know, real estate agent. But but it's a specific type of real estate agent because a real estate agent Selling would have sunset. a car that <laughs> would help. No, no, it wouldn't be those. Really? No, okay. no, 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 no way. It would be somebody that, you know, like. You know, has made pretty good money doing like you know 3D printing. <laughs> That's that specific. Yeah, no, I'm serious. Right? 3D printing. Yeah, like something okay. that you're like, oh, what do you sell? What do you do? There's like you know millionaires that yeah, you know, they they there's they, just a thing, yeah, a they, patent something, or something. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And they're like, what? What do you guys? Yeah, they have a warehouse downtown gotcha. and they make. 3D printed signs or yeah, yeah, something yeah. like that, or some right? import export. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then you know, and the the dude is just a you know. He's he's probably he's probably like family centric too. Mm. So he you know he's a kid inside. Got you. He also probably has a collection of like the what do you call those the pop the the heads. The, the, oh, the, the, what are those what little are pop pop yeah, Funkos? Funkos <laughs> right? the, whoever owns uh -huh. this car definitely has uh -huh. a collection of pop Funkos and like Hot Wheel collection. Hundred yeah. percent. I think that was the most accurate thing. The pop Funkos this and guy, shoes and collect shoes and sneakers. Sneaker yeah, sneakers. Yeah, okay, yeah. that was great. Uh -huh. I love that. Pop Funko was my favorite part of that. I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's actually a, a good thing because that's that's really cool because um, you can tell a lot about a person in their, their life car. currently by their car. Mm. in the moment you know you, i can tell you know if your checkbook is like you know like you know all sorted out yeah by just opening your glove box right oh interesting you know I mean? interesting what what kind of car you think i drive 
Either a Prius or a Tesla. Tesla. Yeah, Tesla go. 3. <laughs> <laughs> <He got> that. <laughs> wow, that was impressive. He does not know what car I drive too. So I don't know how, if I should be offended or... <laughs> Why? I don't know. That's no, yeah. fine. Okay. Tesla, it's like, you know... Reliable, you know. And, and current. Right, right. You know, it's like, it's reliable, current, right? It's like, it's what, you know, is trending, mm -hmm. right? So it's like... Low maintenance. And, and you know, it, it, it also, you can't be poor to have a Tesla. So you're doing all right. Okay. All right. Yeah, thank you're you, doing Hyung. all right. Thank yeah. you, Hyung. Yeah. All right. Um, <laughs> Sung, I love you, brother. Um, thank you so much for doing this. Um, I, I'm very inspired by you. Hopefully, we can work on something eventually. We've had so. that meeting before. Yeah. And uh, things will. are even different since then, too. So lots has, a lot has changed in the industry. It's just know? a matter of time, Dom. <laughs> No, because you have something to offer, you know, as an artist. So I think, I think I, you know, I look forward to that time that if I get to be one of the first directors to tap into that, or you know, other directors that are watching this, you know, you know, they need to like, you know, cast you in something. And I know, I don't even, I wouldn't even call it like take a chance. It's like you know, collaborate with you because you have a yeah. lot to offer. You know what I mean? And you got, you like, got big director energy, man, for sure. What's that mean? <laughs> what just, your demeanor, you, just your demeanor has like this director energy, mm -mm. you know, the way you like sit back and talk about things or very descriptive about certain things. Mm. It feels directorial. Does it? It does. Well, <laughs> well that's what I plan on doing. Uh, okay. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. Sung, thank you so much. Uh, tune in next week for another episode of Fun With Dumb. Peace.